Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, may I welcome you to our show. We have a lot to talk about today, and we are going to get down with it, brothers and sisters, in just a moment. For those of you who may not know me, I am W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, which is exactly what this podcast is all about. Now listen, Christmas is just around the corner, and what a great stocking stuffer or gift a book on the Beastie Boy would be. (laughs) So go to Amazon or buy BigfootBooks.com and pick up a few to fill those Bigfoot stockings up. Keeping in mind that many of them are now an audiobook at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon. And by the way, I just finished reviewing Volume 2 in audiobook. So hopefully, in the not-too-distant future, that will be available as well. And now, here's Kevin! Kevin. Hey, Bill, how's it going? <laughs> okay, Kev. As you can hear, I'm riled up for this uh, this podcast today. I know we got some good stuff in store. What's fully what? caffeinated and ready to go? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know we have a Starbucks in the hospital now. Uh, uh-huh. I shouldn't say now. We have a Starbucks in the hospital, uh, and they just finished renovating the store uh, over a period of about two months. And uh, I don't really go in there too often, uh, only like when the cafeteria in the hospital is is closed uh, beyond their hours. Right. But I'm telling you, that coffee they're serving in there is jacked up with something. (laughs) 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 You're ready to run down the hairy man after you have a big cup of that. I picked up a (laughs) bag of this uh, Pike's place or pike place that they yep. serve over there they were throwing some new brand up there yeah and uh it's fantastic coffee you know but it's very pricey yeah uh but i brought that stuff home and ground it down to powder and i use it in my little uh mr coffee you know cool and uh but there's a difference in the uh formulation i think it's like premium <laughs> premium uh, octane coffee Fully leaded. <laughs> Racing fuel. <laughs> and it, there used to be a gas station uh, down in Bellport, Kev. I mean, nobody knows what we're talking about except for me and you. <laughs> and uh, guys that were into the drag scene uh, used to go down there. I think they were selling uh, 102 Octane. Uh, which is that stuff that smells like cat piss when it, you're sitting behind the car <laughs> and it's running in front of you. <laughs> so this At first, when you said they were into the drag scene, I thought you were talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, nobody I know is into the drag scene. Let's put it that way. 
That you know of. <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're going to go this week from uh, Pike's Place to James' Place. So uh, we got a couple of uh, sightings here in uh, North Carolina, the Tar Heel State, that we're going to go through today. So it's pretty pretty cool stuff with the hairy man coming out here in North Carolina. Yeah, you know, it seems to be... Uh Revving up a little bit over there, Kev. There's a lot of uh, chatter going on uh, in your neck of the woods in a couple of the surrounding states. I wonder what that's all about. Yeah, I agree. And like this particular, uh, the first one we're going to start out with, which is the uh, Lake James sighting, um, came out like in the end of September. This particular article we're going to cite is from October 1st from the Charlotte News and Observer. But it was kind of like there was so much going on. I was actually letting it settle down a little bit uh, to see uh, what was really what in terms of true sightings and stuff like that. So you're right. It's been a bit of a hotbed. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, you know, and uh, I'm hanging on to the uh, the fact that you had said, I think, uh, last week or the week before that. You're kind of expecting with the usage of all these trail cams and whatnot that maybe we're we're onto something here where more and more people are going to be uh, getting some access to uh, clips or footage of these creatures than we've seen in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I'm hopeful for. Right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So cool. Well, so this first uh, uh, sighting, I'm going to talk about the article that was in the Charlotte News and Observer, which is the main newspaper uh, over in Charlotte, which is the largest city in North Carolina. And uh, the title of the article was Ghostly Image Captured Along Lake James Reignites Bigfoot Fever in North Carolina. And it was written by a gentleman by the name of Mark Price. And... um, He talks about the fact that the sighting was in Lake James, North Carolina, of course, and it was reported by the Bigfoot Research Group, uh, and they they call themselves Bigfoot 911, um, and you know those guys, Bill, and they have a pretty active Facebook page, and uh, they had some images and still have some images up on their Facebook page that I'll put up on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. And so first we'll start off with where the heck is Lake James, if you don't know. You know, so it's in western North Carolina. It's a pretty rural place. It's it's about halfway between Charlotte and then if you kept moving west to Asheville, uh, and it's directly south from the, the mountain town of Boone and Blowing Rock, and it's in the Pisgah National Forest. So it's a pretty rural place, as I mentioned. Wow. Yeah. Now, Kev, when you say when you say in rural out there, I mean we're pretty much in the sticks by the time you get to this location. You're you're in the sticks. I mean, there's some uh, some towns and small cities around, but once you start walking into the woods, you know, there's a lot of woods. Yeah, yeah. And what is what is it? The Pisgah? How do you spell that? Pisgah? Do you yeah, know? So Pis- yeah, P I S G A H. Oh, think that's it. Pisgah National Forest. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I mean. Pronounce. So as we know, our our listeners do correct my pronunciation <laughs> when they send in mail, which, yeah, is, which is okay with me. I got yeah, we correct. 
I still don't know how to pronounce those people that live in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. <laughs> well, you know, I got the correction from that uh, fellow who wrote in. It's Oopers. Oopers. Or, oh, I see. And one said Youpers. So, yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> you, but all right. So back to Lake James. So uh, and and just a little bit about our friends at Bigfoot 911. So this is a research group. It's located in Marion, North Carolina, which is out out that direction as well, in Western North Carolina. And um, you know they they took some uh, images about 2 a.m. on a Saturday night. On Lake James, and uh, the the images I'll put them up on our website, and people can see them on the the Bigfoot nine one one Facebook page. Now that is uh, last time I was over there, or initially over there, it is a membership only page, um, but you just have to ask and tell them why you want to join, and they let you join. Um, and the pictures are a little grainy. The uh, gentleman that took them said that he took them from uh, about 50 yards uh, offshore. So they were on a boat, and they were looking at the woods, and, um, uh, you know, they, they saw something and got the camera out. So pretty pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go back to the article here. So the quotation is, I locked right onto this creature and knew immediately it was a Bigfoot. Bigfoot 911 member John Bruner told the news group. He was standing there watching us, swaying back and forth. I guess he felt safe because the four of us were in a boat and he was standing on shore. He said the encounter lasted five minutes and ended when the ghostly figure appeared to turn and walk away from them. And he says, I didn't feel any danger. Um, You know, he said, Bigfoot are curious. They want to watch us but also want to get away from us. They don't want to engage with us directly at all. Um, so I guess, you know, Bill, we have enough sightings uh, documented that disagree with John, but I understand what he's saying. You mm-hmm. know? Like you always say, they're kind of like uh, people or other animals. There's good ones and there's bad ones. Yeah, and also uh, when you say they don't want to engage us, uh, uh, that statement is only true when that particular situation arises for you. <laughs> exactly. Now, if, exactly. They, if they weren't 50 yards offshore in, in, in a pram, uh, it might have been a different situation. No doubt about it. Absolutely no <laughs> doubt about it. So I'll, I'll try to describe the images a little bit. So, you know, you're looking from a boat into the woods on shore, and, uh, you know, I looked on the map. I haven't been out on Lake James. I've been out on Lake Norman out there and a couple of the other lakes, but not Lake James. Um, but most of them, if they don't have houses around them, you know, a lot of them are Army Corps of Engineers lake lakes anyway, and you can't build on them. Um, so they're pretty rural all around them. This one certainly looks that way in the images. So, you know, you're looking into the woods. You can't see the edge of the water. So, he's, you know, they are pretty close to the shore. And you see a lot of trees, you know, very closely together. And then some ground brush, you know, probably, I would guess, like two or three feet high. Kind of those scrub oaks or berry bushes or something. And then between two of the trees, you see a very dark silhouette of what looks like a Bigfoot. Wow. And it's pretty cool. You know, it's black and white, and it's very grainy, and they're just still images, um, probably because it was so dark. 
Um, but, you know, combined with the description, it looks pretty darn interesting. And they have several images. And I can't tell by looking at the images, but folks that uh, wrote in on the Facebook page and commented on it, they said, you know, if you look really closely, you can see how the image actually changes location between trees. Because, you know, some folks wrote in and said it could just be a gap in the trees that looks darker. But I would say no because of the way the the photo was taken, this like black and white grainy, but you know, it's very black right where this creature appears to be standing and it is in the middle of the woods. So, you know, the other parts that are middle of the woods are not black in any way. You know, you see the kind of grayness that's created by all of the branches as you head into the woods. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a differentiation occurring where the silhouette of the creature is as opposed exactly. to everything around it. Right. And then they have a uh, kind of zoom in of it on one of the sites. And uh, it almost looks like there's two creatures there, like one that you see about 60 or 70 percent of his body. Uh, with the other, uh, you know, 30 to 40 percent behind the tree he's next to. But you see that the clear outline of a head, uh, you know, the broad shoulders, and then it looks like a hand in front of him. And then if you look to the other side of the tree that's covering him, it looks almost like there's another one that's walking kind of to the left. So you see its right side kind of hunched over. Wow. You know, and it's easy for me to say, uh, but... A follow-up during daytime in that area would have been uh, advantageous to uh, confirming what was seen. In other words, just make sure there were no burnt stumps there or anything. And believe me, I'm not one that believes that what they were seeing was a burnt stump. But just to to lay aside uh, doubt uh, about what was photographed, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, so our friends at Bigfoot nine one one, like, let us know if you uh, if you did go back there during the daytime. I would imagine you did, but I I couldn't find any uh, any documentation on that. Yeah, excellent but job, guys. That's a good guys. question. Yeah, we're fully in support of everybody out there that's uh, uh, on the hunt for the hairy man. So you know, hey, if you guys don't mind, and other people out there listening to our podcast, contact us. We'll be glad to talk about and post. Uh, whatever it is you come across, then it's it's grist for the mill, as I always say. Yeah, I'll, I'll also mention too on uh, the Bigfoot nine one one Facebook page. Uh, some of, it looks like some of their members create some pretty cool uh, kind of handmade Bigfoot merchandise too. So you know, check it out. Give them a little plug. Yeah, excellent, excellent job. Cool, cool. So that that's the first sighting, and then very recently uh, on November seventh, so just a few days ago. Uh, Tim Bennell uh, wrote about this on uh, Coast to Coast Radio, and uh, they actually have a little video posted on their homepage that I saw yesterday uh, that complements the write-up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about his write-up first on November seventh, and then I'm gonna give some commentary on the video that I watched myself. Okay. Yeah. So this happened uh, up in Littleton, North Carolina. So not the same area of the state as Lake James. So Littleton is kind of uh, straight north, pretty much north of uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, the state capital, and up near the border with Virginia, uh, uh, adjacent to a pretty large lake up there called Lake Gaston. 
So also pretty pretty rural place. Littleton is a tiny little town that really is there, in my opinion, because of the tourists that go out in the summertime on the lake. Okay. So Tim writes, uh, a normally routine trip to the post office turned into an unforgettable experience for a woman in North Carolina who says that she spotted a Bigfoot crossing the road during her drive. The bizarre sighting took place in the town of Littleton last Friday evening. And, you know, he says evening, but it had to be a little earlier than, you know, darkness, as you'll see here. Uh, When Ebony Bird, that's the lady's name, was on her way out to mail some packages and reaching an intersection, she brought her car to rest at a stop sign and much to her profound surprise, noticed what she believes to be a Sasquatch up ahead of her her vehicle. Wow. So, you know, I say it's probably daytime because that was before we turned the clocks and... Uh, you know, the post office isn't open too late at night, right? Right. Uh, no, that's yeah. a good point. Good observation. Yeah. Um, and uh, recounting the sighting, so this is taken from the video interview, but Tim wrote about it, uh, by uh, cryptozoologist Stephen Barcelo. Barcelo uh, Bird marveled that it was like a big, broad-shouldered thing. It stood upright like a human, and his arms went down past his knees, and he was walking kind of ape-like. Uh, so she saw this thing, and then she went on to her destination like she was kind of, I think she was in a little bit of shock. This is my commentary. Um, so, you know, kind of as soon as she she, she was like, i got to get to the post office to mail these packages, which we've all been in that situation. Um, and then when she got to the post office, she was like, wait a minute, I just saw a Bigfoot. Yeah. And uh, she went right back there, and she she uh, uh, didn't see anything. But, you know, it's interesting, Bill. It's like where she saw it, I'm just joking around here, but it is true. It was right next to, like, a big graveyard, apparently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, it was we just... always joke. There's yeah. always a graveyard. Yeah, just passing through, checking on some of the uh, family members. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I thought what's really interesting is, first of all, like this is a video interview with her that you can see on the Coast to Coast website. And she's very credible. You know, she's sitting in her car talking to this cryptozoologist. And uh, she's like, um, you know, you think she says, you think in your mind there's no such thing. There's, you know, that there's no such thing. And then she says, but it wasn't human. She's like, wait a minute. That was Bigfoot. Yeah, and uh, and she also uh, mentioned several times that you know she's like I have no reason to lie and I have absolutely no reason to bring attention to myself. So you know here's a a, a braver person that's willing to go on record and go on video that she saw this thing right in her town there you know in the daylight, um, um, and you know she's she's coming right out and saying. Hey, why would I lie about this? And I don't have any reason to bring attention to myself. Yeah, and Kev, isn't that exactly what the officer in the Whitehall, New York incident said? I'm looking yeah. at something that supposedly does not exist. Yeah, I'm, uh, all of a sudden I'm confronted with something that I've been taught my whole life simply does not exist. Right. Yet it's right there in front of me. Yeah, amazing. You know, and this happens yeah. again and again and again. But most people will just drive away and either zip their lip or maybe just, in this case, tell her husband uh, and, and leave it at that, you know? 
Yeah, well, in this case, though, she she uh, stopped to talk to this uh, cryptozoologist and went on video talking about it. So pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. I mean, she. Uh, you know, she again. Look at the video, and I think you'll agree. She sure seems pretty credible. Fantastic, man. No, that's really good stuff. And, you know, very interesting that uh, a couple of encounters, virtually, what, 30 days apart or so? Exactly, just uh, about. Yeah, in North Carolina. Uh, there's definitely, uh, you know, I, I say there's something going on there. There's probably always been something going on there. But we're starting to, uh, a few more of these sightings and encounters are being brought to light. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of wildlife here in the state. Um, it, it's funny, like, you know, I, I talked about with the listeners, I was up in Alaska in early August uh, for a little getaway. And um, there were people there, of course, from all over the world in Alaska. And a lot of them were like really disappointed, like after a few days that they hadn't seen a bald eagle. You know, so they came from all over the world to Alaska to see a bald eagle. And I was saying to my wife, I was like, wow, we're so spoiled. Like, we see bald eagles every day. You know, they're kind of always flying around. And uh-huh. and certainly whenever you're near one of the lakes, you see them grabbing fish out of the lake all the time. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, we, we, we got it all here. So why not have the big hairy man as well roaming around? Yeah, you better believe it. And look, all you need is food and resources and you got wildlife. Right, and it's a good climate too. You know, it's not uh, not as extreme, but pretty rural. Yeah, pretty moderate. Uh, pretty exactly. moderate over where you are. All right. Yeah. So, listen. Before I get into this account, I got to give the folks a little update for those who are interested. Kev, do you recall me talking about the uh, uh, dark guy who I said was a demon ditching in and out of the uh, bathroom in the hospital? I don't remember that, Bill. Okay, so let me give you a little uh, lowdown here for the paranormal uh, people out there. All right. Now, a while ago, uh, it's uh, no—well, let me just say this. I work in a hospital. I mean, a lot of you know that, Uh, and I'm a technician over there. And our uh, location where we monitor from is a little bit off the beaten track in the hospital. There aren't a lot of people over there. It's a very big building, but our location is uh, kind of out of the way. Uh, and to get to where uh, I spend my days, I come out of an elevator bank and I walk down a hallway uh, past the location that's known as the burn unit. And this is where victims of uh, burns go to be treated. And I then have to go down a hallway. Now, mind you, everything there is painted a light, creamy yellow color or white. Very brightly lit hallways. There's no darkness around there unless the lights are out uh, in a room. It's a very well illuminated uh, area, as are all hospitals. I go through this set of double doors that leads me further down the hall to where uh, where I am each day. And to the right-hand side, there's a small room that we can turn the lights off and on in. It's very small. I'm talking, uh, let's just say, 12 by 12 square with a large window on it overlooking the parking garage. Now, this is the eighth floor, so we're up in the air. 
And in that room is a small bathroom with just a toilet and a sink. Uh, that's actually close to where we are. So we like to use that bathroom rather than walking further uh, up the hallway back towards the elevators to get to this uh, more public facility. So at any rate, on two occasions, I was coming through this pair of uh, swinging doors and I saw something dart into this bathroom or into the room where the bathroom is. And I was sure of what I have seen. You know, Kev, I'm always telling people, I know what I'm seeing. I'm a trained observer. I've been doing so since we were kids. Yeah. There is no second guessing if I'm looking at a P-51 flying over Long Island uh, that it was really a Cessna 150. You know, I, I mean, I know what I'm looking at. Yeah, so, we, we both got that gene. That's it. So I saw this thing dart into the room on two occasions. And the first time the light was out in the room. And as I walked over, I looked in to see if I could see under the bathroom door, the light lit. In other words, I was sure somebody went in to use the bathroom. Yeah. Well, all the lights were out, including the bathroom. And I just tucked it in my pocket. So I actually told my coworkers, you know, I saw something going in that room. And then the second time I told them I saw something again. With that, one of my coworkers says to me, you know, Bill, in Tower 2, I was down on the second level the other day, and a dark grayish black shadow went across in front of me in the hall. And she said, her first thought in her mind was that it was a nurse because some of the nurses wear these gray uniforms now. Right. But, you know, her mind is not really comprehending what it is she's seeing. She's trying to make some sense out of it. Sure. I mean, well, kind of like this woman that saw the Bigfoot in Littleton. Exactly. And so, but here we go again with me bringing it up and then others feeling comfortable. So she starts talking about that, and this one coworker of mine, she chimes in, how come only you see them to me? And I said, well, maybe I see them because I'm looking. <laughs> and uh, so lo and behold, yesterday or the day before, apparently this woman heard something. Not saw something, heard something. So I was waiting for her to come in so I could uh, wrestle with her a little bit about this. And yesterday we were sitting in there and I said, okay, so what happened? So she looked at me and the other, the other girl who had told me about what happened to her said she was white as a ghost when she told her. Mm. So she says to me, I was standing in the bathroom, this very same bathroom in this room. I was splashing my face with some water, and I hear, hey, lady. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. While she's in the bathroom? She's in the bathroom, and this bathroom is as big as a coat closet with a toilet tucked in the end of it. It's a small rectangle. Whoa. And she hears, hey, lady. And she said a chill went down her back, and she bolted out of the room. Yeah, chill just went down my back. <laughs> so, and Yikes. I've, I've been telling him, I think it's demons. And I believe that since a lot of people die in the hospital, that awaiting them at the hour of death, at the hour of death, 
are both good and bad entities waiting to take them somewhere if you catch my drift. Yeah. And uh, so now we're on to this. And uh, I would imagine it's going to be an ongoing thing that the group uh, that I work with seems to be opening up to the fact that something is going on uh, within the confines of our space. Mm. Pretty crazy, huh? But that's wild. Yeah. So, a little- by the way, I'm, I'm on the lighter side. I'm glad you pointed out to the audience that you actually work in a hospital and you're not locked up in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, they release me from my four point restraint so I can do a podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get down to it. This uh, sighting was brought to my attention by a woman named Danielle uh, McGowan, a resident of the state of California. And uh, this is what Danielle had to say about her encounter in June of 2003. She said that she had gone out for a solo day hike in the Ho River Valley within the confines of Olympic National Park. She added, I always come here during the week and find the trails to be virtually empty, whereas on the weekends, it's an entirely different story. I come here for the peace and serenity. And when I am here, the Simon and Garfunkel song, The Sound of Silence, is always running through my mind for some reason. This valley receives well over 100 inches of rainfall annually. And because of the rainfall, the mammoth trees within the park are covered with thick blankets of moss. The forest floor is likewise carpeted with moss and ferns. Even when you see creatures in here moving about, not a single sound can be heard as they do so. When it's not raining, the forest continually creates its own rainfall in the form of water dripping from the moss-soaked branches and the limbs of the trees. As I continued forward on the trail, I heard another noise, but this time I saw some moss and bark falling from a tree ahead of me and off to my right. I was approaching the tree ever so slowly, taking advantage of all the surrounding foliage to conceal myself. When I reached a point, where I could see about half of the tree's height. I noticed that there was a pile of bark and moss at the base of the tree. A fair amount of the tree's side had been virtually stripped of its bark and mossy covering. As I moved several steps closer, most of the tree was in full view now, and I found myself staring at a huge Bigfoot that was clinging to the tree some 75 feet from the ground. Immediately, I stepped back, concealing myself under the branches and leaves of a small tree. The Bigfoot had its back to me and was seemingly preoccupied with the tree in front of it. The tree was pinched in between the Bigfoot's feet while the creature's left hand and arm were holding its body against the trunk. It was reaching with its right hand into a nest of some kind, evidently searching for eggs or young birds. 
I had no idea what type of nest it was or what may have been in it, but I did see its hand go to its mouth. From that, I assumed that it had eaten something that came from the nest. After watching it for some three or four minutes, the creature had evidently harvested whatever was available from the nest and began to repel back down the tree. He was moving very quickly, and I exited in like fashion. The tree that the Bigfoot had climbed was at least three feet in diameter. From my vantage point, its body concealed the entirety of the trunk, overlapping it by a foot on either side. The creature was immense, to say the least, with the fur or hair being somewhat maroon and brown in color. Overall, I would judge its height as as being eight feet or so, keeping in mind that the creature was 75 feet from the ground at the time of my sighting. The encounter that day got me to thinking that this creature and others like it may very well have been walking about every time that I had been in here and I would never have known it. If you were to walk off the trail onto the ferns and moss, this would be akin to walking barefoot on a sea of cotton. Even the dead branches are soaked and softened by the continuous moisture that is present within the park. I have to say that I wasn't afraid when I saw the Bigfoot, but rather I was in awe of it, which is not to say that I wanted to be there when it reached the ground either. <laughs> Pretty cool, Hecka. Super cool. You know, this is the... Uh, this is the second time uh, that somebody uh, in one of my accounts had seen a Bigfoot in a tree. Uh, yeah, I recall we, we did another one on the podcast where it was taking eggs from a nest or they thought it might be taking eggs from a nest. So we did do that one where the, the fella saw the branch break and the Bigfoot came down exactly, to the ground. Exactly, he fell. Yeah. Uh, that... That was freaking uh, crazy, I mean, to hear that. But here we go again. <coughs> Excuse me. These creatures really are like in survival mode. They are well aware of what is around and everything that is around, be it in the trees, on the ground, under the leaves, in dead stumps, in the water. I mean, they are fully taking advantage of whatever is available in their environment. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think at the beginning you said California, or at least I heard California, but I think that's Washington, right? The Olympic Olympic Peninsula and Olympic National Park um, and talking about how green and mossy everything is. So uh, pretty cool. I love the description, too, how you can't, you know, you can't really hear anything moving either. I mean, I've hiked around back there, and that is exactly how it is. Even when you step on, like, what looks like an old log, kind of uh, almost flush with the surface of the trail, your foot just kind of softly sinks into it, just from that, you know, that crazy amount of rainfall, uh, you know, rainforest-like conditions. It's so quiet, and it's so peaceful. Yeah, just soaking soaking water on everything just softens it you know it's, it's yeah. no longer wood it's pulp 
Yeah, I remember like when the ki my kids were little, we were hiking around in the uh, redwood forest there in Northern California, down near the southern border of Oregon, and uh, they had said that day that there were bears seen on the trail, and we were on like the main kind of the main street trails, you know, with the kids, just going for a little hike to show them the the redwoods. And uh, I was like, oh, well, we should be able to hear, you know, if there's a bear scurrying around, you know. And then when we were in there, it was like, wow, this is the quietest place I've ever been. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so still and with everything being so soft, like I think she, you said she described it as uh like walking on cotton that's exactly it it's just so soft and just not a sound yeah and and her observation was after seeing this thing that perhaps they were around her with regularity and she would never know it you'd never know absolutely they could be they could be uh uh uh, uh along your side following you up the trail keeping you in 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 range of their sight and you wouldn't know it just chugging. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, just okay. chugging along and uh, keeping an eye on you. You know. Yeah, great, great description and what a what an encounter. Well, you know, and when we get back to the good and the bad in the Bigfoot family, uh, this would be exactly how somebody could get nailed by one of these creatures uh, if they wanted to get you. I mean, you could yeah. you could be in a, a zone where they're walking like. Uh, you know, an Indian through the moss, and uh, you round the corner, and whammo, it's history. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Especially catching it by surprise, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 a frightening thought, but it's the same way a cougar would get to jump on you, right? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, those things uh, stalk. They lay low. They move around. I mean, I was watching a cat in my neighbor's yard uh, some time ago. I just happened to go out in the deck, and I turned my head, and I see something move, and I'm watching. It was a cat. The cat was sneaking up on a blackbird that was down in a, a, a gravel driveway. And this cat was about three feet away from the bird who was pecking away at something in the gravel. And the bird was totally unaware that it had even advanced to the point where it was within a couple of uh, uh, strides from getting it. That cat was down low and dirty, had its body flexed in the perfect position to do what it was about to do, and it just went boom, 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 and was on it. Yeah. Had the bird in a flash, and that bird didn't know what hit it. It was just like dead as soon as it bit it. Yeah. And yep. really, uh, you know, animals and Bigfoot. I mean, you know, I think Bigfoot is an animal. Uh, they uh, they got gifts and abilities that, frankly, we don't uh, enter into as human beings. I mean, we can try to be a good stalker, which is uh, the life of a hunter. But as far as being like an animal, it'll never happen. No, no. And, and it's, I mean, you look at how many sightings, right? We talk about thousands of sightings of Bigfoot, um, you know, usually in rural places, but not always super rural places. And then um, uh, the fact that, you know, not a bazillion forms of uh, uh, super strong evidence exists. It's, it's a stealthy creature. You know, like I've said to you many times, Bill, I think there are uh, many times where people are very close to the Bigfoot, but they never see them. Right. 
you know, because it doesn't want to be seen. Right. You know, I, it, it, look, look at the Bigfoot 911 account you were just talking about in North Carolina. They're 50 yards from the shore. And this thing just, they only see it because they're looking. Hello. And this thing is standing on the shore, kind of moving around a little bit, but it's not. Yeah, he says swaying back and forth, looking at him like from one foot to the other. Right. Which you could see an animal doing that, right? right. And he's not saying, hey, guys, here I am. <laughs> you know, he's being quiet and just observing. Uh, and they see. And he didn't say, uh, hey, lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. all that stuff is freaky, man. And I, I'm just. Uh, remember, I'm folks, if you've seen something, say something. Uh, we have our website, uh, our page, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. The contact link is there. We have a lot of people uh, chiming in with us, for which we're very grateful. Uh, some of them have a story to tell, and some of them are just commenting on the podcast and kind of giving us a little uh, piece of their mind, what they're thinking about. And it's all good. So uh, we encourage you. Uh, some people have commented they can't believe how quickly I get back to them. And uh, I pretty much dive into this uh, every day of the week when I'm not doing something else. Uh, and answer people and talk to them. A lot of people I call and speak to on the phone. And uh, we're really, really, really uh, happy to have you join us. And we ask you to go out there and tell your friends and your buddies uh, to tune in as well, you know. All right, Kev. So what do we got? What do we got going on here with our listeners today? Yeah, we got some good listener mail uh, from all over, as usual. So, uh the first uh, uh, email comes in from Rich, and uh, he's commenting on the Vermont Bigfoot photo that I put up on our website, and that was from a trail camera. Um, and Rich says, hi, guys, love the show. The photo posted, I believe, is known as the Orchard photo, and Finding Bigfoot has even investigated it. Most people tend to think the photo shows not a single Bigfoot, but a female holding an infant close to her body and bending down, picking up apples. And he says, I don't remember what the Finding Bigfoot guys concluded, but I tend to see the pair, mother and child. Have a great day. Yeah, uh, really interesting there, uh, that observation by Rich. Yeah, uh, yeah, it certainly could be. I mean, I didn't, it's interesting because I didn't know about the, the Finding Bigfoot investigation, um, and I looked at it and looked at it for hours, and, you know, I I saw it as just, uh, you know, not just, but a Bigfoot kind of crouched over, uh-huh. kind of from the side, but I got to take a look at it again after, after reading Rich's mail. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it's just an observation on his part, and... Sure. Uh, Mother Bigfoot, Bigfoot with baby being held to the close to the chest. I mean, if she was leaning over, could have had a little bit of a belly, some breast tissue, which could give the the appearance of something small hugging her or straddling her by the the front side. Yeah, but I mean, also logically, it makes sense bending over and picking up apples. Too, Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about a great food source. And again, yeah. again, I have I don't know how many accounts I have in the books. Of uh, orchard sightings. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just makes perfect sense. Uh, Kev, if you or I were walking around out in the woods and we were hungry 
and we came across an orchard with beautiful apples on it, you'd go pick one. Absolutely, and you would be picking them up off the ground, too. I've done it. You know, it's easier than climbing a tree if you can find some good apples. (laughs) Yeah, but listen, bro, if you're 8 or 10 feet tall, no problem. True. True. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic, though. And, Rich, thanks a lot for uh, uh, chiming in with us. All right, cool. So uh, now we go across to uh, Matt. In Liverpool, in the UK. Wow, so Bill, you got to you got to do your Liverpoolian accent. Yeah, don't worry about it, bloke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <So>. somebody, <laughs> some. <laughs> oh my God, I gotta gain control over myself. So <laughs> I heard this interview once, and the guy was talking to John Lennon, and he said to John, he said. Is, jo- is Ringo the best drummer in the world? And John said, Ringo, Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> I love- yeah, I think that was, that might have been on the BBC tapes. Uh, <laughs> I listen to that once in a while, and you laugh out loud. I mean, they were just having so much fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, goofing around, you know, I mean, what the heck, you know, and of course it was all tongue in cheek. All right, so Matt says, hello from Liverpool, UK, loving the show. Keep up the good work. I've just bought Audible Terror in the Woods, and it's amazing. Thank you, Matt. So he bought one of the Audible uh, versions of... uh, of your books, Bill. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And by the way, uh, uh, I said earlier, uh, I've already reviewed two, uh, and it should be up and running in the not too distant future. And I'm actually doing my second recording session uh, this Tuesday night on volume one. And just so people understand, this is very labor intensive, time intensive. There's an investment. Uh, you just don't pop into the studio and say, here I am. You know, I got to kind of go along with what schedule he's got available. And uh, I mean, volume one will probably take me five or six studio sessions uh, to do the recording. Uh, then I have to review the whole thing. Uh, I'm looking for any errors or blems, and we try to correct them as best as we can. And then there's the process of sending it in and 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 the ACX people reviewing it and then posting it. So it's it's not like you just yeah, it's quite quite the process. I mean, that's why the product is such high quality, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't. There's there's no rushing it, you know. Cool. So what do you have about six audiobooks? Well, we've out got now? we've got 6, 5, 4 and 3 are already out okay. there available. Okay, uh, good. 2 is complete. Uh, it's just not up and running yet, and one is in the process. So, you know, I mean, just the way it goes, you know, months and months oh, yeah. and months of work. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So now we go to uh, upstate New York with Lewis from Whitehall, New York. Oh. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of a hotbed there. And Lewis says, great show, and I loved your piece on the Whitehall incident. Uh, things haven't stopped around around these parts since that occurred. There are regular reports of Bigfoot throughout this region. Keep up the good work, Lewis. 
yeah, I I love that uh, that incident too. I mean, uh, that that was uh, that was fun to uh, research and uh, fun to talk about. Yeah, and you know, uh, he and Lewis. Uh, I guess he lives in the town, or he says Lewis from Whitehall. Yep. Uh, but you know, who knows better than the people in the area what the scuttlebutt is around uh, the surrounds? You know, like. You know, here I am telling you about what's going on uh, with the uh, shadows or whatever we're seeing around uh, my workplace. I mean, people outside of there have no idea what we're talking about. And if, yep. if, it, if it wasn't for somebody like myself even mentioning it, nobody would know what was going on uh, around there. So that's just the way it works. No doubt about it. All right, so we're going to go now to central U.S., to Beverly in Iowa. Oh. Yeah, and Beverly says, My papa spoke of seeing a Bigfoot walking through a cornfield when I was a youngster. He couldn't stop jabbering about it at the breakfast table the morning it happened. Papa was no liar and a God-fearing man. If he said he saw it, then he saw it. Love the podcast. Well, yeah, and what do you say? Uh, what do you say to something like that? I mean, there's no argument. Her yep. her father comes in, he sees what he sees, and he's telling his family, "Hey, you're not going to believe what I saw today." It's a natural a natural turn of events, right? You come home, and absolutely, you're just he's dying out in the to morning, tell. Probably doing his chores, walking through the cornfield, and. Uh, you know, holy cow, I can't imagine being in a cornfield and seeing a Bigfoot. Yeah, and I mean, he knows it's not his neighbor, uh, Louie, <laughs> <laughs> out for a morning walk, standing nine feet tall in the corn. And it would be like, hey, and if it was, hey, Louie, get out of my cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> it's Iowa. You got your own corn. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, you know. And, yeah. you know... Uh, uh, we get back to this. What is a Bigfoot doing walking through the corn? I mean, some people have said uh, that they lived in areas where there were thousands and thousands of acres of wheat or corn or soybean uh, with very little forestation uh, around the fields or even bordering the fields. And the question is, where are these creatures staying? Yep. Where are they bedding down? You know, uh, I mean, I am sure the cornfields are loaded with all kinds of varmints running around in there. Uh, where are they staying? I don't know. Yep. You know, exactly what are they eating? I don't know that either. Other than the corn. Right. Well, the, <laughs> the corn in season, right? When the corn's yeah. on the ear, I think they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they could just be passing through. Maybe this thing's hiking 50 miles. Yeah. You know, we act like that's a weird thought. You know, if you just think about long distance hiking, you know, if you recall, like during, uh, let's just say World War II, I don't know many examples. I'm just going to pull that one out of a hat. I remember hearing that Patton. Uh, would have his men hike like a hundred miles uh, as quickly as they could with full gear on to get to the site of the next engagement as quickly as possible. Yeah, uh, and they were known for that. They took pride. Yeah. They took pride in their ability to just go and keep going. 
Yep, get up and go. Yeah, so it's it's because you're looking from here to there and there's a mountain over there and you're like, wow, that's a long way. What the heck is this Bigfoot doing out here in the cornfield? That that Bigfoot could be trucking for freaking 120 miles to get somebody else somewhere else. Yep. Well, it's just no a, doubt about it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, exactly, that's the truth. Hmm. Far Who out. knows? Maybe they're maybe they're migratory in some way too. Who knows? Yeah, I I think there's truth to that. You know, they they can move around. Some of them can move around if they want to, right? Why not? Follow a river. They, I think we know how quickly they can move when people see them. Yeah, well, you know, I've heard people say that he went a hundred yards in a matter of seconds. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's like crazy fast. You know. All right, we're going across the ocean to the other side of the world to Deirdre, Deirdre in India. <laughs> and she says, there have been tales told of a Bigfoot-type creature in northern India for hundreds of years. I'm going to do my best, as you are, to get to the bottom of it, and I will let you know my findings. The show is very entertaining. Love you guys, Deirdre. Wow, that's interesting, Kev. Now we got someone sparking somebody to become an investigator. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's around in northern India. I think that's well. That's that's Yeti for sure, and uh, up that way, you know, into the, into the mountains. But I mean, there's probably other creatures up there too. You know, it's it gets pretty rural as you head uh, as you head up north there and into the mountains. Yeah, you know, you're right, and it reminds me of some of the investigations that I've seen or heard tale of basically on television, uh, where these people up there. You know, you go into these areas and there's nothing there but a guy with a little a little uh, shanty on the side of a mountain and he's got a yak and they grow in a few things on the hillside. They have a little terraced farm going on yep. uh, and they see something and describe what happened. I mean, come on. You know, first of all, this poor old man is like, you know, what are you guys doing here? Are you from Mars with these cameras? <laughs> and then he's telling you. What happened to him? You know. Yeah, well, generally, by the way, you know, having been to India myself a dozen times, probably, I mean, India defines rural. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to go far. You could be in the middle of Delhi, um, you know, with uh, however many people are there, 25 million or whatever more, um, that and and see a shanty with a, with a man uh, with barely any clothes on and a yak. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just unbelievable, you know. Right in the center of the city. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, we, I mean, I try to get and out. And by of, the way, I love the place. So I don't want, I don't want anyone to write me saying, oh, how come you don't like India? I love India. I mean, the people are spectacular, but it's definitely a rural place. Yeah. And it's neat that you say that, Kev, because, you know, we have a lot of Indian uh, uh, people in the hospital. And there's some of my favorite people in the building. I mean, generally, I think, you know, over in India, the nicest people in the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just They're so very, warm and so friendly. Very good outlook. Uh, yeah. Happy, outgoing. Uh, and in a nice way, you know. Uh, yeah. So that's interesting, you know. And uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. But at any rate, uh, you're out there again in the sticks. These people see something. No axe to grind. No money to be made. 
they're just sharing with you and then they shake your hand graciously and say, you know, nice to meet you and you, you part ways, you know? Exactly. Wow, that's incredible. Cool. Well, that's our last letter, Bill. All right. Well, folks, we'd like to thank you for joining us once again today. And we're going to be doing a due diligence to bring out some more interesting stuff in our next show. And until we meet again, remember, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs>